0: Good morning, and again, thank you for joining us for worship. And now we get to study the Word of God together. Find your Bible and open to James chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 19 through 27 as we conclude chapter 1 today. James has been talking to us about how genuine believers encounter the tests of life. How do we respond to tests In verses 2 through 12, he talks to us about how we respond to trials. And then in verse 13 through 18, he talks to us about how we're supposed to respond to temptation. And today we come to a third test for genuine believers. How do we respond to the truth of the Word of God? Today, from James 1, verse 19 through 27, I want to talk to you about this subject, actions speak louder than words. James wants us to understand that living a Christian life is more than just receiving information. It's about experiencing transformation. It's more than just what we say. It's about how we live. I hope you've had time to find that in your Bibles. James 1, verse 19, begin reading with me to the end of the chapter. is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Remember this morning, the power is in the perfect word of God. Well, it's Mother's Day, and so I thought for Mother's Day, I'd tell a story about a mom. Can you imagine if you're a mom, you wake up early one morning and you're getting ready to go to work. You're up before the kids even get ready for school and you walk into the kitchen and you notice the trash can is overflowing. There are multiple trash bags to the right and to the left of the trash can and you are very frustrated. But then you remember today is trash day. The garbage man's gonna come by and pick up the trash. You don't have time to take out the trash, but you do have just a few seconds to write a letter to your kids. Once they wake up and get ready for school, they'll see your letter and they can take out the trash. So so you decide to do what a great mom would do. You don't just say take out the trash in a letter. You begin by telling your kids, hey kids, I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how grateful I am for you. I'm thankful for each of you. You are wonderful children, Then you begin to say, would you please make sure to take out the trash before you go to school? You're proud of your letter. You go off to work. And then when you come home, you notice as you pull in the driveway, there are no big trash cans by the road. You go into the house and you walk into the kitchen. All the trash is still there. The kids are already home from school. You call them downstairs. You sit them on the couch. It's time for a family meeting. So you got a few questions for your kids. Number one, did you get my letter? Kids say, yes, mom, we got your letter. It was the best letter ever. Thank you so much for your encouraging words. We absolutely loved your letter. Okay, if you got my letter, why didn't you take it seriously? Mom, we did take your letter seriously. In fact, we skipped school today, and we read that letter a hundred times. We invited our friends over so they could read the letter as well. We've been studying your letter all day long. Well, if you got my letter, and you're saying you took it seriously, why didn't you take out the trash? Kids look at their mom. Um, mom, I'm sorry, but I guess we just got so busy reading your letter, we never got around to taking out the trash. We were so busy reading about trash, we never did what you asked us to do. This may hurt a little bit, but very often church can be like that. Christians can be like that. This is part of the frustration James is experiencing. He's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. Many had left Judaism. they would left their Jewish traditions and they're following Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah. And they've got a lot of information. They know a lot. They're just not doing a lot. And James wants them to understand and by extension, an inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to understand Christianity is not a subject that you study in school. It's a relationship with the Savior. And so James wants us to know A lot has to do with how we respond to the truth of the Word of God and how we receive the Word. So he gives us a couple of ways that we can do that. First of all, James tells us when it comes to responding to the Word properly, we must take it in. We see this in verses 19 through 21. We've got to take it in. We've got to receive the Word of God. Now think for a moment how you feed your body. If you want to eat in a healthy manner, you need to eat the right things and avoid the wrong things. You want to eat in a healthy way. There are certain things, foods that are healthy for you that you should take in. And then there are other foods that are unhealthy. And no matter how delicious they might be, we need to try to avoid or minimize those foods. And compare that to how you ought to feed your mind, to how you ought to feed your spiritual life. There are certain things that we ought to take in. And there are certain things that we ought to avoid. James tells us here, first of all, what we should receive. We see this in verse 19 and the beginning or the end of verse 21. What we should receive. Now, if you've ever heard a journalism term, sometimes reporters will will write a story and uh, they'll wait a few sentences or maybe even a paragraph to put in their main point. It's called burying the lead. They tell a little bit of the story, and then they put the main point in. That's what James does here. He gives us some practical tips in verse 19 and verse 20, but he buries the lead all the way in our passage of verse 21, where he tells us, look at it, this is important, this is the key to the whole passage. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So he begins by talking about how we ought to be quick to hear, slow to anger, how we ought to be you know, quick to listen and slow to speak. But then he, he puts that main point right there at verse 21. This is what we ought to receive that then leads to a practical outgrowth of receiving the word. And so James here paints the picture of the human heart being like, like a garden. The, the word of God is like seed. And so we ought to have the word of God planted in our hearts. And James goes on to say, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's the old proverb that you've heard before. You've got two ears and one mouth. You ought to listen twice as much as you speak. Well, he goes on to say here, what's the test of genuine faith? How I take in the Word of God in my life. Do you listen to the Word? Do you study the Word? Do you grow in your faith? It's interesting as I preach typically with a crowd, I can tell typically if you're paying attention or not. We live in an age where we are addicted to distractions. Those cell phones in our pockets or the one in your hand, laptops and iPads, we are addicted to distraction. It's become much more difficult for us to listen. I mean, genuinely listen and listen to one another. I guess one of the benefits of preaching to a camera instead of a live audience is I have no idea how many of you have already knocked out in your recliner and you're sawing some logs and catching some Zs. And that's okay If the only time you can get some rest is during a sermon, I don't hold that against you. But when we study the Word of God, we ought to have our interest piqued and our desire grow to learn and understand what the Word of God says. That's what we should receive. We should receive the Word. Now notice what we should reject. We see this in verse 20 as well as the beginning of verse 21. We ought to put certain things into our minds. And we ought to leave other things out. And James tells us what we ought to leave out. Look at what he says. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away, leave out all filthiness and rampant wickedness. James has told us there are certain things that we ought to put into our minds, the word of God. And there are certain things we ought to leave out, filthiness, anger, rampant wickedness. You get in what you put in. That's what you get out as you study the word of God. And so if I'm allowing anger and filthiness and wickedness and all of these things to come into my life, that's what's going to grow out of my life. But if I'm receiving the word of God, then that's what I'm going to get. Here he compares the heart to a garden again, and the word of God is seed. Now, if you're familiar with a garden, there's a couple of things you need to know. Even if you've never gardened before, here are things that you probably know. First of all, you don't just walk out to a patch of grass and throw some seed and come back a few months later hoping to see some vegetables or the fruit that you've planted. It does not work that way. Also, you can't go out to the garden and prepare the soil and weed one time and expect that the weeds will never come back. If you want a garden to grow, you've got to prepare the soil. You've got to plant the seed. You've got to pull out the weeds consistently so what you want to grow actually ends up growing. Here, the the phrase rampant wickedness, James's readers would get this picture in their mind. It it refers to a garden that's been overgrown with weeds and is now almost uncontrollable. He says, get all the rampant wickedness out of your heart so it doesn't choke out the Word of God. The Word of God is the seed that bears the fruit as we work on keeping the wrong things out and putting the right things in. So what is it that we plant? We plant God's word, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so, do you think about what you put in your mind and your heart? Do you think about the television shows that you watch, the series that you watch on Netflix, or the channels that you subscribe to on YouTube? Do you think about those things that go into your mind? That Those things you see and those things that you hear. Do you think about the explicit music that you can now stream on on your uh, Apple Music or iTunes or on Pandora or Spotify? Do those things affect you? Those are things that go into your mind. We need to pull out those weeds. We need to remove that, the filthiness and the rampant wickedness. We need to be able to control the things that go into our mind to keep the bad things out and to put the right things in. James instructs us, first of all, when it comes to responding to the word appropriately, we must take it in. Secondly, we need to live it out. We see this in verses 22 through 27. So how do we respond to the word? We've got to receive it. We've got to take it in. And then we have to react appropriately. We must live it out. James tells us as we live out the word, James gets very practical here in verse 22 through 27. James is a very practical book and he centers around how we're to live our lives and genuine faith leads to godly behavior. So once the word of God takes root in our lives, what's the kind of fruit that we see as a result? First of all, in verse 22, he talks about us hearing. This is an important fruit, hearing. Now, verse 22 If you haven't memorized, verse 22, I think it's important you put that on your list and you begin to memorize James chapter 1 and verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This is the verse that all of us should have memorized. Now, if we're not careful, we will misunderstand what James is trying to tell us. James is not saying that hearing the word is bad. He is saying that only hearing the word is bad. He's teaching us that hearing must come first and then it leads to obedience and faith in our lives. He says, don't just be a hearer. Notice, don't be hearers only. It's important for us to hear the word, to take it in and to receive it so that we can then respond appropriately to the word of God. You see, the Bible is our textbook for life. And so if we're going to consistently grow in our faith, we've got to hear the word and apply it to our lives. Hearing then leads to doing, and we see this in verses 22 through 25. What does he say? Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So hearing the word leads to doing, it leads to obeying. And then James in verses 23 through 25 gives an illustration. What does it look like when someone only hears the word but doesn't act? It's like a person who looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and does nothing with what they've seen. Let me give you an example. If you look at yourself in the mirror and you notice you've got something on your face or your hair's not right, I don't have to worry about that, or other things need to be tended to, but you walk away and do nothing about it. James says you're like a a man who looks in a mirror and then forgets to do what you need to do. The mirror is the Word of God. Now James has compared the Word of God to seed that you plant in a garden, and now he compares it to a mirror where you see yourself. The Word of God is a mirror where we can see ourselves. God's Word reflects back onto us who we are, how we're growing in our lives, and where we need to clean up and get straight. And often, far too often, we go to the Word, we see how the Word corrects us and instructs us, but we walk away and do Nothing, James says we are foolish. Uh, We're hearers who forget instead of doers who act. And if we're only hearers, we won't be blessed. If we're doers, we'll be blessed. Walter Mayer, an eloquent radio preacher of a generation ago, told a story about an African tribal chief who was given a gift from a missionary. That gift was a mirror. This African tribal chief had never received a mirror. None of the African tribe had ever seen a mirror. So immediately when the chief looks at the mirror, he begins to laugh and scoff. And he makes fun of whoever the picture is in the mirror and talks about how ugly that person is. It wasn't long until he realized it was his own reflection. When he realized that, he took the mirror and smashed it upon a rock. Walter Meyer makes the point. Far too often, the Word of God reveals to us the things that we need to change, shows us the ugliness of our sin, and instead of responding appropriately to the Word of God, adjusting our lives based on its standard, we get angry with what we see. See, the Bible tells us that we are marred by sin, that we're ugly as a result of our trespasses, that we need Christ to come clean us up and to make us right, That by his grace he can cleanse us, adopt us into his family and make us his child. And so the word of God then operates as a mirror in our lives. What do you see when you look at the mirror of the word of God? How do you allow the word of God to examine your life and then adjust your life according to the word? You see, as we grow in Christ, we'll begin to see ourselves as God sees us. Through the lens of the righteousness of God of Jesus. But the reality is sin, it mars us up. Puts some marks on our face and some scars that, that we need to have cleansed and clean. And we do that by receiving the word. Hearing, doing. And then in verse 26 through 27, James shows us how responding to the word leads to serving. James gets very practical in verse 26 and verse 27. We're to, we're to serve We're to serve the Lord, we're to serve the people of God, we're to serve the lost, we're to serve one another. Here in verse 26 and verse 27, he talks about religion that is pure and undefiled. Now it's interesting, the New Testament doesn't use that word religion very much. James here says, if you want to be religious, you Judaizers, you Jewish believers, if you want to be religious, then religion that's pure and undefiled. Notice, if you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, you're not. And if you think you're religious and you don't love others, you're not. If you think you're religious and you don't take care of those less fortunate, you're not. If you think you're religion, a religious and you're stained by the world, you're not. He's showing us what genuine faith looks like. Here's what he says. Genuine faith is going to be expressed in the words we speak. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, it'll be expressed in the words we speak. It'll be expressed in the way we serve orphans and widows. It'll be expressed in the walk that we exhibit. Keep yourself unstained from the world. As we follow Christ and receive his word, it naturally leads to hearing, doing, and serving. And we can't dare think that just because we get more information or we attend a Bible study or we memorize more scripture, that makes us more godly. We have been bought, we've bought and been sold a lie that more information leads to godliness. More information does not necessarily lead to godliness. While we need to learn the word and grow in the word, it is the application of the word and the obedience of the word that then leads to godliness in our lives. God's word transforms us. ...as we apply it to our lives and live it out. I don't have to tell you, but experts say that voice activation software is rapidly advancing. In fact, many technology experts believe that voice activation will ultimately replace the keyboard... ...that the keyboard will no longer be necessary. Many of you probably have some type of voice activation software... ...either in your home or on your smartphone. There is Alexa, where if you just call her name... She'll ask what you need, and she can play a song or add something to a to-do list or order something for you from Amazon. All you have to do is speak. Many of you may have the uh, voice control remotes now for your television where you just press a button and tell it the show you want to watch or the channel that you want to find, and and uh, it will do what it's told. Of course, a lot of you have in your pocket Siri Siri may respond to your voice activation, and you can ask Siri a question. You can call someone or text someone. You can put something on your calendar. Voice activation software is designed to do what it's told. Now, the reality is, if you talk like I talk, sometimes Siri and Alexa and the voice recognition on the remote don't understand me. They don't quite speak Southern dialect perfectly. I'm sure the scientists are are working on that. The point of voice activation software is, you say it, it gets done. You know, if God wanted to create us that way, he could have. He speaks, we obey. The reality is, he's given us free moral choice. The will to respond in obedience and faith, or the will to respond in disobedience and lack of faith. The Bible tells us here that we are to receive the word with meekness. God gave us a choice. And how we respond to his truth, how we receive his word, transforms our life. How we obey his word, transforms our life. How we are doers of the word and not hearers only. Because the reality is, actions speak louder than words. You and I need to have a genuine faith that stands up to the test test of trials and temptations that stands up to the test of the truth of the Word of God and a faith that leads to action. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You see, the first thing you have to do before you're worried about genuine faith leading to godly behavior, you need to make sure you have a genuine faith. Has there been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins and you've placed your faith and trust in the God who created you? The Bible tells us that God is the creator, a loving and just creator who created everything that you see. He created you and God created you and desires to have a relationship with you. He loves you. The Bible says even while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. The Bible tells us in Romans that sin separates us from God As a result of sin, the mistakes that we make, the things that we do wrong, our trespasses, not obeying the law of God and not meeting his standard. We're separated from God and sin leads to death. That death is not just physical death, but it's spiritual death. We're eternally separated from God and sentenced to a literal physical place called hell. But The Bible tells us that God loved us so much, he did something about that. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that, While what we deserve is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus lived a life you couldn't live. He died on the cross, a death you deserved. He paid for your sin and mine. He rose again conquering death and now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father and he wants you to respond to his offer of salvation. Has there been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ? If not and God is speaking to you, you can do that right now. You can respond to him and trust in Jesus by praying a prayer very simply, just like this. It's not the words of the prayer that are magical or mystical, but it's the attitude of your heart. You can say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin brings judgment and separation. I repent of my sin. Forgive me. Would you come into my life? Would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? I want to follow you. I want to live for you. If you prayed that prayer or something similar, if that's the attitude of your heart, we want to know. We want to rejoice with you and we want to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus in a personal relationship. If you do us a favor and text the word respond to 478-324-5402, we'd love to connect with you and tell you what it means to follow Christ. Maybe you're, you're needing prayer. Maybe you're facing difficulties and challenges. We'd love to pray for you as well. Please do the same thing. Text RESPOND to 478-324-5402. Last week, I mentioned how so many of you are interested in being a part of our church, and we're establishing a Zoom call so that you can go through our Second Life class. We had many people respond to that. And so if you're interested in our Second Life class, text that word RESPOND to the number there on your screen. We'll follow up with you and tell you how you can be a part of our Second Family. Thank you again for joining us today as we study the word of God together. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Moms, I hope it's an incredible day.